Yes, guys, what is good? You are tuned into Mango Masala Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and it's a beautiful day outside, and I'm currently stuck inside the boiling hot studio. So, not ideal, but there we go. We should also be joined by Simran by stream. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Uh, that's all right. How are you doing, Simran? Good. I've been enjoying the weather. It's been really nice here as well. I'm at home at the moment, hence, hence the streaming. Um, yeah, it's been really nice. I mean, I'm currently very, very, very hungover, but <laughs> we are soldiering through. Fair enough. Oh, and as you um, might not be surprised to hear, um, Halim is currently running a bit late, but you know how it is, um, Asian timing and that, like... Literally, she's still on time if she arrives within the first half an hour, technically. True. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, <laughs> just thinking about um, the way th- we're going to do things today, um, we've got a special guest coming up at four. They're going to be joining us in the studio, Rebellious. And before then, we're just going to have a little bit of a chat about various issues. So I'm thinking it'd be best to wait until Halimi gets here to do the more general mm-hmm. stuff. But I was meaning to ask um, you, Simran, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was how it's been um, finishing your literal degree in lockdown. Because obviously, like I was thinking about this, because obviously you're going on to do a master's next year, Mm -hmm. but obviously you, the lockdown came around like March 2020. So you've spent half your degree online and in lockdown etc so how has it been like literally completing your education like that i mean it's one of those things where like no one could have ever expected i know that sounds really obvious to say but when you start your degree you just don't ever think you're going to end it in the way that like you can't see anybody you can't go out you know obviously like going out and clubbing is a really integral part of the uni experience for a lot of people um Oh, definitely was for me and stuff and like not being able to socialize and see people obviously a massive part of uni and then just the kind of going into uni like having lectures and a lecture theater full of like a few hundred people it's just like normal and it's the stuff like that that I think has been completely derailed by this pandemic and it's kind of made it so hard to adjust but you know what credit to everyone who has been doing um a degree or any kind of like form of education schoolwork in the last year and a half because mm. it has been rough it's been a rough ride and everyone's adapted really well you know like going on to zoom lectures they're nowhere near the same as like a normal um look who it is guys hi <laughs> you want to just um grab sorry i should have done that before no, cool. get that one. This one the mic and like put it over here so oh <laughs> Apologies to anyone that heard that at home. Profuse apologies. Um, <laughs> right, um, Simran, do you want to just continue telling us a bit about um, your finishing degree whilst I sort out the um, the hurricane Halim has arrived? Right, one second. Um, yeah, so it's just been crazy. I think now we're coming towards the end of it. And obviously I'm doing a final year next year now. So for everyone who's got another year to go, 
I think the adjustment back to hopefully going back to in-person teaching and like um, being able to go out again, it should be great, but obviously it's going to be weird. Like we spoke about it last week on the show, this kind of ingrained um, and collective germophobia and social anxiety that I think everyone will experience uh, to some degree is going to be quite rife as well. Like I said, sitting in a lecture theatre with like two or 300 people sometimes, um, it could be quite daunting for some people, I reckon. Um, obviously, the concept of exams, for me, they've all gone online, which has in some ways been great, but in other ways, not really. I quite like an in-person exam, and I'm a lot better at exams than coursework. So I just kind of... I prefer it much more to go in, like to revise and then to go to an exam hall and complete the exam because that way I feel like I've done the work, I've put the work in. And if I do well, that's on me. Whereas I feel like with these online exams, it's a level playing field and everyone can do equally as well, whether they've revised or not, because, you know, obviously they're open book. Um, So that's probably one of the main things I would say, like in terms of, uni in a pandemic it's just one of those things that you just don't experience and I think that we'd never like we never thought we would experience and like I've spoken about it to a lot of my friends and we've spoken about the fact that um these are like you know the prime years like early 20s these are like our years to like you know go out and do the uni thing and have fun and be a bit stupid and you know what I mean so it feels like it just hurts when you think about the kind of time that's been lost but you know we're, we're on the other side of it now yeah hopefully we're about to well on the way of coming out of all this and obviously well they've they've, they've declared that apparently we're not in a pandemic anymore yeah i found that a bit weird i just assumed they would say that once it's all done yeah but it's like literally we're still how can we be in lockdown but not be in a pandemic i think it's like obviously like the def there's actual statistical like definite the scientific definition of yeah. what a pandemic is but i think i don't know i think it's a bit funny though because it's like say for example even if the uk even if like we got to a point where we're able to like lift lockdown restrictions and it's not a threat to us as it has been for the past year and a half anymore um you can never say that we are not in a pandemic while other countries are still in a pandemic like mm. until the whole world it's a global mm-hmm. pandemic right like so until the whole world is cleared you can't just clear like one country by itself right which makes it even more important to release the patents for the vaccines i don't understand like i honestly i was thinking about it the other day and i was like it's actually outrageous it's Mm. honestly outrageous like how are you withholding a vital piece of like scientific research that is gonna it's gonna prolong the the pandemic and Mm. and as long as the rest of the world i mean look at how many um strains have come out of countries that are not allowed to have the patent like there's recently there's the indian strain like it's going to keep affecting us as well unless the whole of the world is vaccinated and pandemic free this is what i don't understand as well is when people say global pandemic Mm. i thought the whole idea is an epidemic is something that's contained and a pandemic is something that's exactly everywhere so like how how is it not a pan like surely even the, yep. the the terminology there that they've used saying we're not in a pandemic well how can we not be in a pandemic when it's still widespread etc honestly, honestly like we cannot be free until like the rest of the world is free um and obviously i can do up like you know socialist analysis or marxist analysis of what is going on with this patent and everything but like free up the patent like <laughs> it's just ridiculous i think it's preposterous it's a human right like medicine is a human right for everyone mm-hmm. you know 
anyways. Well, universal healthcare should be a thing. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. Especially yeah. in a situation where one, like a group of people not having it is also going to indirectly affect, well, directly and indirectly affect us as well. Yeah, and it's like, do, do we not care about that? I thought the whole reason why we're saying, oh, we're not in a pandemic anymore is to save our own skin, pretty much. It, mm. it's, it's for selfish reasons. Yeah. But then in reality, it's actually going to come back to bite us. So exactly. would they not think about that? Exactly. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that about your how it's been completing your degree in this simran i feel like i was doing like a little monologue while i was just watching all the chaos unfold <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry guys i like to make an entrance apologies like an artistic um, piece i'm sure i was like trying that. to talk trying to like look at you guys dropping Scoping things around. <laughs> yeah sorry sorry that was me um i also want to ask obviously completely different things but i was th- i was literally sitting there saying, i was like what's like a you like a common ground that we all have that we can talk about and i was like well simran's finishing her degree in lockdown but i wanted to ask him halima obviously this is i think the second time you've done this but how has it been um obviously doing ramadan throughout a lockdown oh um like a bit i don't know it's a weird one because it's like on the one hand like it makes things a little bit easier because you don't have like the hustle and bustle of like normal life um a lot of people are able to work from home it does make things a lot easier for them but also like the the one really special thing well not the one really special, but one of the special things about ramadan is like the sense of community within like you know muslims like everywhere um and we have you know like iftar iftar is the um the sunset meal the meal at which we break our fast um like if our parties are like a really kind of special feature of ramadan like it's just a, like unless you're muslim and you've experienced it for yourself it's a vibe that you can't really like explain it's really really special um so to not have that that's really hard i i found that personally really really difficult mm. even just like going to the mosque and like doing your prayers in the mosque and like that sense of community and togetherness and um bonding as well with your community in a way that you don't get to for the rest of the year mm. i mean at least you're still with your cousins, right? So at least you still yeah, got that that's sort true. of. That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, I my my household is always busy anyway. So like, I'm never gonna be completely alone, no matter sometimes how mm. much I want to. <laughs> it's, it's interesting what you said because I was kind of expecting you to be a bit like, yeah, not gonna lie. Like, obviously, not eating throughout the day and being trapped inside with a load of other people is actually worse than being able to go out about your day and not necessarily have that sense of entrapment alongside obviously yeah. the hunger side of things i think it's both things it is both things because sometimes like you can also get really uh, like idle or like claustrophobic at home and sometimes like even though the hustle and bustle of everyday life does does sometimes make the fast more difficult it also makes the day go faster hmm. so yeah, yeah it's both I, things to be honest yeah that is true actually like obviously i've never experienced it but i can imagine that is the, mm-hmm, the case mm-hmm. so you're not just like clock watching all the time because at home that's what you do fair so what would you say that you've preferred it as it has been the past few years or would you prefer to go back to No, I definitely prefer to go back because I told you like that the really special thing about Ramadan is that sense of like community and like bonding with with other other Muslims um even even like going to the mosque the vibe is just different you know mm. during Ramadan like everyone is just we're all just in that 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 mental and like emotional place you know and you could it really translates in the way that like the community interacts with each other and things like that so i definitely really miss that so have you and your family not been um going to the mosque like throughout like lockdown and that no no no. what what about you simran have like you and your family like been to like place of worship like throughout 
lockdown or has it been pretty much like um yeah so i think i was saying this to you last week actually that i was like i've definitely become a lot more religious over the last like year i'd say and i wanted to spend more time at the good like i've felt i felt like a really like big need to over the last year so when they opened that's one of the first things i did was go there um and it was very different to how you usually have it but it still gave you that sense of like calmness and that there's still the same like satisfaction that you would get from a normal visit just very different with masks and social distancing and stuff like that um but yeah where i can i have tried to go um and i think it is kind of in a way almost more important that you make the effort to go in a time like this because then you do get to see people that go to those places and that's kind of their only form of like social contact like you know the older generation sometimes Mm. that's where they would get their socializing from and stuff so you get to see those people obviously at distance but having a little catch up here and there like it's been nice do you think you've gotten more religious because of the pandemic do you think that's not because of the pandemic i would say just general life and like a whole bunch of things even just generally i feel like since i started uni Mm. i've definitely gotten more religious like and just I, i was saying this to carlos last week like I've just been researching my own religion a lot more mm-hmm. and that's what's made me want to practice it a lot more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. I always find that people who are born into a faith, like people assume if you're born into a faith, like if you're a born Sikh, if you're a born Muslim, like yeah. that you don't have to go through that journey of exploration when actually it's, you have to find yourself within your faith again when you're older mm-hmm. because faith is it's a choice, right? It's not an obligation, it's a choice and you mm-hmm. have to... Um, you have to enter into that yourself willingly. Do you know what I mean? Like with your own agency and your own consent. So even though you can be, grow up in a Muslim household or a Sikh household, that doesn't necessarily, um, in, it's not indicative of your own personal faith. You know what I mean? So it is, it is, it is, it is like a really, when it, when everything falls into place and it works out that way, it is a really beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know, that journey of like self-discovery and things like that. Yeah, like I feel like when you're born into a household that belongs to a certain faith, there's a lot of not pressure, but just that you kind of go along with it. And no matter how religious you are, that is just is part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, yeah, you go along with it. And it doesn't really become like it doesn't have to be a big thing in your life. But it's up to you when you're older, like you said, to kind of take the onus on yourself if you want to. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the researching comes in, finding your own, like exploring your own faith and then deciding how you want to go moving forward from there so I think the last couple years I've really gone through the motions of that and it's been really interesting to see and that I think the way I feel right now about my own faith is like really overwhelmingly positive like I love it and I'm enjoying practicing at the moment and I can't see that changing anytime soon so yeah love to see it are you religious Carlos um I mean we were I think it was in the break last week actually we were having this discussion but um don't know because like growing up I was um I never had anything like I, I only say forced upon me but I never grew up surrounded by anything okay. um I I think when I was like maybe like eight seven eight like started going to church with my mum a bit is your mum um, so your mum is Christian yeah is your dad my dad so my dad is from um Hindu family oh, but okay. he is more I'd say like agnostic in oh. his views like he he definitely doesn't follow any practice okay. um so yeah, I started going to church a bit and I think there was a point in my life like maybe like in my teens where I was like quite like yeah like and I think it was almost like this sense of indoctrination like but it wasn't like anyone was it wasn't like anyone was forcing anything upon me. I think mm. I was just kind of like found myself being like yes, I I want to like do this like this is the way things are like I'm going to follow like 
this path and I think as I got older and I think as you are able to sort of think okay like and almost like challenge things I think mm. I, I think at the time I was very much just happy to kind of think okay this is the way things are I'm gonna like just mm. like follow mm-hmm. this like full thing rather than actually think like but wait but like sort of thing um I what? think sorry go on so I, was just, I think now like I don't know like on the census I put Christian like because okay. I think that's not how I, I like would identify but then I'm also a bit like I don't know how what what I am really because I, I my one thing for certain is I was saying to Simon is that like I definitely believe in God mm-hmm. and I definitely am spiritual in that mm-hmm. sense like I should pray more than I do <laughs> but like that sort of thing but in terms of um following a particular faith I'm that's a bit up in the air I think for me well I think that's a really interesting kind of like contention right between theology and like organized religion <clears throat> and I find that a lot of people who have a problem with um religion as we understand religion to be that is to say the you know major religions in the world christianity islam sikh hinduism whatever else um that really their problem is with like organized religion mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people like you like it is really just speaks to the kind of sentiment that you just shared now where um you feel something like spiritually or like you believe in the in, in a god and the idea of a god you just do not resonate with um the way that that has been institutionalized like the idea of god has been institutionalized through organized religion so so to say this the church um and i think a lot of people um needs to be clearer in making that distinction between theology because even in islam right obviously I'll, I'll speak from the perspective of my own religion even in islam like the theology of islam is obviously so beautiful you know like when i say theology i mean like the actual ideological foundation of what islam is and and how we understand god and life and the afterlife and things like that and then you have like the organized religion of islam you know so like the mosques and the clerics and and all that kind of stuff and that's where it starts to get a little bit messy because the point at which anything is institutionalized it it kind of becomes a vehicle for a number of problematic constructs in some ways you know for example like patriarchy and and things like that so like with islam i know a lot of people have a perception of islam as being like fundamentally misogynistic when actually like if you look at the quran which is like the most fundamental tenet of what islam is it's like the blueprint of our religion bro that's like feminism before feminism be people before people even had the grammar to explain what feminism was you know, and that's like the really real base theology of Islam. And then it's just it's just the fact that, as I say, as it becomes institutionalized and it becomes like a normative construct, that's when things like, you know, patriarchy and fundamentalism and all of these things, that's when they become a problem because it's the people, not the actual religion, you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and that, sorry, go on. Uh, so I think like it all comes down to like people using it as a way to control yeah, and to, for their own agenda. Yeah, pretty much. because it's is it less, because it becomes political, right? But that's the case with anything. Like sometimes I, I get I do get a bit, little bit annoyed when people are like, we should not be allowed religion because it breeds, you know, misogyny and fundamentalism and extremism and all these things. And it's like, well, so does like uh, like science, you know, so does mm. like money war like all of these things it's just a construct that's been hijacked to perpetuate like an agenda and it's always going to happen if it's not religion it'll be something else but um at the end of the day i just think that everyone faith is such a personal thing 
you know and like there's no one way to practice faith or to feel faith and that everyone has it's that any everyone's own discretion and prerogative how they choose to practice mm. that right like you can identify mm. as a muslim or you can identify as a christian not, ne- not necessarily identify with the church or resonate with the church you know mm. i suppose it's a sense of how do we um maybe um facilitate change in terms of getting mm. these people that are using it for their own agenda um mm-hmm. to stop doing that mm. without necessarily um taking control of religion you know and monitoring mm. religion like mm. you can't really it's, it's a bit of a fine line it's really difficult it is very difficult i first of all just wanted to give my like thoughts out to um, anyone with family in india at the moment because yeah. obviously things aren't mm-hmm. great there in terms of the whole oxygen shortage mm. Um so obviously thoughts go out to you but returning to bad vibes over here um <laughs> right which ones discuss first yeah which one right okay so we'll t- go to the most like relevant right now. Um, currently, there is some kind of protest going on outside of Old Trafford, actually, in Man United. And basically, it's a protest um, against the ownership um, of Manchester United um, in light of the recent Super League stuff. And now, obviously, this protest at its core is actually like, it's it's great because it is literally the fans coming back and saying, nah, like, we're fed up. Like, because if you don't know, in short, basically last week they announced there was going to be this Super League involving um, a few clubs through no, there was no real reason for how they managed to get there apart from the fact they have loads of money. All it was going to do was pay them loads more money and it was going to be very exclusive and obviously everyone else was like literally what? So then um, they were actually told that if they go ahead with it, their players won't be able to compete in any other form of competition. So obviously there was a massive uproar about it um, and I think all English teams are now pulled out of it. Um, yeah. But the players are still really, um, so not players, the fans are still really upset about the fact that this happened in the first place. So are protesting against basically all the owners of these um, teams. So like this is like great because I was literally saying to Halima in the break, it is literally, they, do, they might not realise it, but they're actually basically protesting against like the idea mm-hmm. of capitalism mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the idea of one person like o- yeah. owning everything, sort of thing, the people at the top. Mm-hmm. But then I was also thinking... Um, can they, you imagine if they actually put that unity and force towards um, the actual the actual cause that that they are fighting for at the root of it, and also other things such as obviously racism. And I think yeah. one football player, I've forgotten his name, actually pointed this out. He was like, "It's great how many people have like showed up and everything, but it would also be great if they could show this kind of um, determination yeah. and support towards." Um, other important causes and it's just it's crazy it must be such a kick in the teeth like imagine because i mean i i don't particularly follow football but like all my family do a lot of my friends do and like obviously this this country you just can't escape football culture Mm -hmm. so i have some idea of like how for example black players are treated um and obviously like i don't need to say it's horrendous and imagine like it must be such a kick in the teeth being a black player and knowing that when you're like abused to, to that extent and and mm-hmm. very little kind of consequence or, or uproar is made about that and now all of us and then you see something like this which obviously like the cause is great and people should be doing this but like you see that people can do it right mm. and they choose not to for example with issues of racism in football purely because they don't want to um yeah. and actually like i saw this tweet I saw this tweet and it was it said something along the lines of the way that people who don't understand football are looking at this 
Super League issue, which is like they don't really know what's going on. Something fundamentally wrong and bad is going on, but people who don't follow football don't really know. Is the same way that, like, for example, white people, um, people who are not affected by racism, look at issues of racism where they're like, okay, yeah, something bad is going on, but they can just choose to turn a blind eye, mm. right? Like, there are definitely parallels in the way that um, that that it's it's coming to a head and the way that things are playing out. Yeah. Like literally I was thinking about this um, before coming in today mm. and I realised that if anyone ever comes to me and tries to challenge like because there's a, there's quite a lot of people out there who will kind of if you raise anything to do with, with racism you'll say yeah but like and people of colour aren't the only people that are badly treated in the UK and there's obviously obviously white working class people do exist yeah. but I think if anyone ever tries to kind of like raise like that argument i'm just gonna give them this because a lot of these football fans Mm -hmm. ultimately are um Mm -hmm. like white working class Mm -hmm. people and they'll happily up in arms over Mm -hmm. football Mm -hmm. yet when it comes to other stuff which is arguably more important like i'm gonna yeah honestly i mean yeah it is like Like, i'm sorry but someone's someone's human dignity is more important than a than a football like there's no argument there (laughs) yeah but um like it's just ridiculous that they won't do that like, and you know what it is though like and and this is a marxist in me where obviously the basis of marxism is the is a is a global class struggle right and um the the, the pragmatism of the marxist struggle is that the or the the, the global proletariat so like the the entire global working class is supposed to kind of like unite together for the revolution right and there's always been a hindrance in this country because of the way that class is stratified um and the way that the white working class who who like historically are so mistreated by the government particularly you know like the tories they are like austerity measures they are so hard hit by them but they will still turn around and vote for the tories like it's so mental because it's always it for for people of color in this in in this country um who look at marxism as the answer to like racism and 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 things like that we always feel very frustrated that we cannot build like um co- we can't do coalition building with like white working class people because of like racism right and then you see that they have the power to mobilize like this you know when they do care about something mm. and it's just like you kind of like sat there pulling your hair out because it's like if you if you man mobilize that like that to like for an actual like marxist agenda or a socialist agenda we would not be where we are right now just imagine just imagine guys come on man come on man i mean it was also interesting to see how quickly um boris johnson was to jump on and like because Mm -hmm. oh this this is ridiculous like what's going on like Mm. uh, any thoughts on the whole thing simran I think, you know, obviously it is sad, the whole Super League thing, that it even became, like, came into fruition at all. Because, obviously, um, people don't want to see the big teams play once a week. The whole glory of the whole thing is that you see it, like, once or twice a year in your big, like, um, cup leagues and stuff. So I do understand why people are up in arms about it, because it is frustrating, I think, to see the commercialisation of the sport when it is supposed to be a grassroots level thing, a very like homegrown UK thing that we have here. So to see them go through with it and the clubs that originally did say, like, agree to it, obviously it is upsetting and I understand why people are upset. But then when you do parallel it with the real issues that exist in football and sport culture in this country, mm-hmm. you can't 
make the comparison because mm-hmm. like you said Halima like the human dignity versus mm-hmm. you know the privatization of a league like mm-hmm. it's okay like I don't really mm-hmm. I don't see the comparison there if people are going to be up in arms about one you need to be equally up in arms or more up in arms about the one that is worse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's, the, it's the turning the blind eye yeah, but it just to goes like to show the like real the, issue. Yeah, and, and it just goes to show the extent of like racial privilege in this country, right? That that, mm-hmm. that you can you, you are so outraged at like Simran just said, like the privatization of a football league. And yet when black players are being abused, like mm-hmm. monkey chants having bananas like, like that called like yeah, racial slurs on yeah, the pitch. Yeah. Then it's so easy to, to turn a blind eye, you mm-hmm. know? Like it's a really interesting comment on racial relations in this country, to be honest with you. And once again, like it just it, institutional racism does not exist you apparently know? <laughs> yeah on that on that topic um moving on to the next thing i want to discuss just quickly um was obviously it's been a big news point over the past week about um commemorating um troops british troops or troops that fought for britain in world war one um and I think there was some kind of failure to properly commemorate these people. So I've got the um, stats up here, and apparently it's um, black and Asian troops that fought for Britain during World War One. Some of them were commemorated collectively, or um, their names were recorded in registers, whilst their white counterparts have literal headstones. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bit like, <laughs> like, like it. it yeah, but this just speaks. To, this speaks to this again. Speaks to a wide, wider problem of like historical amnesia in this country, right? Because, um, like for example, you know when we think about, um, this country, yeah. <laughs> you see this island, yeah. <laughs> yep, we see this island. This this country has like this huge problem with historical amnesia particularly when we talk about issues of like empire colonialism and slavery where they think that because those they don't exist in the form that they existed you know in the in the 20th century that they that they that britain is completely absolved of any responsibility right like this country loves to rewrite history this country loves to be ahistorical it's the exact reason why we have a white supremacist on our national currency People lord, I'm talking about Churchill for those who don't know. People lord that man as like he, I Savior. mean, he, he's been, I think, if not the in, in the BBC poll, I think he might have been voted the greatest Britain of all time, if mm. not, is at least in the top five. I mean, like I said, to the point where he's literally been commemorated on national currency, but he's a white supremacist. And you can't deny that. You look at like the quotes of what he said, like what he did. He's like... a white supremacist, guys. Like, what is going on? And it's the same like... exact thing. It's like people, and you know what it is. I wrote an article about this. Like, it's it's because people like to have this valorized myth of British like national history, so as to um, grapple for like a British national identity in the wake of mass migration, where the country has become you know quote marks multicultural which really is because of colonization and the fact that britain is the is the imperial core and the fact that they have so many um child colonies that's the real reason why but obviously like british people have these racial anxieties about the fact that britain is not british anymore you know like and and that's why there's such an erasure um of of things like the fact that 
the British troops weren't just made of white Brits. Yeah, and it wasn't literally, like, it took my own investigating that to know that. And Simran, I think you, like, said the other week how you did, like, a school project or something about like the realities of colonization and then they literally like graded you down because it wasn't like what was on the syllabus yeah. that's appalling that's appalling but it's not surprising it's not surprising yeah. like we see the story so much because you know like think about in this country how how often and and and, and to what extent is world war one and world other world wars on the national curriculum like like ninety percent. Yeah, every least. year. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure I learned about about some aspect of what at least one of the world wars every year that I had compulsory history. Not once did they ever speak about the involvement of the colonies in in mm-hmm. the world war. Not once did they talk about mm-hmm. um, not just the fact that they were Brit. You know, people that that there were soldiers fighting for the British troops who were not white Brits, but they also do not talk about the extraction of resources and wealth from the colonies to sustain the war. They also mm-hmm. don't talk about that. I think, you know, Britain is actually still, I think, don't quote me on this, but from the top of my head, I think the figure is from World War Two, Britain borrowed 250 million from India that they have not yet paid back. And that's just like... And that's just what that's yeah. just, and that's just what's admitted on record you know like again historical you know what i think even historical amnesia is too kind it's too generous because it's deliberate erasure right yeah. because they don't want to they, 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 they don't want to make an admission um here because then making an admission that because british so much of british um kind of national character in the 21st century has been characterized by Britain's pride in the war, the role in the war and the pride in the war, the fact that we stood firm against the Nazi fascists and and it as as I said is a way to valorize British culture and 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 um, British people for taking that stance, right? So to now admit actually we weren't the only ones doing that and actually there were black and brown soldiers from the savage colonies that were also instrumental in this effort naturally they're mm. not they don't want to do that right yeah you know how like normally i'm like jumping in saying allegedly like this and that it's yeah. literally like for church you're like i'm literally like yeah you, like, there are quotes guys yeah you you can't deny it like they literally caught come out and we've got like literally yeah. here you go mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even people who like who who were writing his biographies was saying that like there was one man who wrote his biography i can't remember his name who said that i know an excuse that people love to give for churchill is that well that's how they all thought in those times the man who wrote his biography came forth and said he was exceptionally racist even for his time he was exceptionally Mm -hmm. racist like uh i'm probably gonna have to round up the conversation there but simran before you leave us do you have any final points on the whole issue I think with that, like, to Halima's point, she said, like, if colonisation isn't the way that they saw it 100 or whatever years ago, back in the day, however they saw it, obviously the face of colonisation and colonialism has changed. How it manifests itself within people and um, people of colour in the UK now is so different to how it manifested back when it was happening or just after. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, in in the uh, manifesto where they claim the UK is not institutionally racist, um they literally said that colonisation is no longer a barrier to the success of BAME people, which obviously, like we discussed about two episodes ago, is we know is completely untrue. I think it's just because the way in which it manifests nowadays yeah. is not considered to be 
like deterring to our career paths or our paths in any kind of aspect of life but that's just not true yeah it's not true even 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 something as as we were discussing like there are literal people like dying in 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 the road outside the hospital because of a lack of oxygen in india and britain won't share the patent for the vaccine like mm. let's talk about that power dynamic do you not think that power dynamic is is historically and politically contingent on the history of colonialism yeah so like we'll use you because like didn't india come up with some of like the vaccine stuff or something yeah like, it's like we'll use you to our advantage but then you want us like mm. guys even look i think one thing that a lot of people don't really realize about like colonial history is that we often look at um what britain did to you know for the colonies uh, particularly india because india was seen as like the crown of the british empire right the crown jewel of the british empire um we often associate that with um like, like um, um we look at materially so for example they stole resources and and human labor and things like that actually one of the 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 most important things that britain stole from india was the extraction of ideas right so so we look at britain now and we see it as like this really advanced progressive western country when actually so much of like the 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 maths and the science and things like that was literally extracted from the colonies was indigenous native knowledge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are going to have to round it off there, but thanks so much for joining us today, um, Simran. Um, we'll... Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the show. Thank Cheers. you. Enjoy the rest of um, your week. Yeah, we'll see you soon. And we should also now have Rebellious with us. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you for having me, by the way. No worries. I appreciate that. I got here, got lost, and that's why we were Because <laughs> we did get lost. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited. It's been over like a year since I've been on Rager now. So really, yeah, pandemic and pandemic yeah. here, and so this feels like going back to normality again. Yeah, for sure. Where where have you come from today? Uh, Hume. Hume. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you see it? I was like, Hume. Yeah. Yeah. Hume. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you finding Hume then? Because you've only moved up to Manchester recently, right? Yeah, I came up in February. Uh, what are we now? April, mm. April, yeah, April, yeah. So I've been here around two months, just over two months. Mm. No, I like it to be fair. You know what? Northern culture, yeah. people are so much more friendlier, yeah, yeah. yeah so much more friendlier. Yeah. People, you know, like I met my man here in October, and now we're with each other every single day, like, oh. every day. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel like we're in a relationship. That's cute. <laughs> I'm joking, nah. but so- um. Yeah, nah, I, I don't really like it. So what's it like in down south then? Because honestly, I, I, I don't know. Like, is it just, I, like, are you actively just not nice to each other? or like? It feels like that. It generally feels really? like that. You know what it is? You see, like, here, everyone's nice. I'm nice. You know when I go back down south, it's like I have to change my mentality. It's so true. It's so true. I've got to change mm. it to be like, all right, I'm going back down south now. I've got to be more hostile. Mm-hmm. Like, it generally is that way. Mm. So when you come up here, I'm so like, whoa. Like, everyone just talks to you. Yeah. yeah. And most of my friends, like, any friend that I have outside of money is from London. Yeah. And whenever they all come visit, they're literally flabbergasted. They're like, that woman just said hi to me. The woman in the shop called me love. And they, they smile. Yeah, it's true. They smile, it's they tr- they make small talk. And like when I when I was down south as well, like and I'd be in a taxi and I'd talk to the taxi driver, my friends would be like, You're so northern, why are you talking to me? Yeah, why are you talking driver? to me? It's true. Uh, literally i had like such a bad experience like it was i went to him um, well it's not that bad but like it was when um i was like thinking about going to uni so like i went to like open days and that mm-hmm. and it was one of the first times i traveled down to london on my own mm-hmm. and obviously like underground and that and um i was like just like walking through the station and obviously even on like a saturday it was relatively busy and this like woman she was actually like tiny as well mm-hmm. but like she literally 
we, we did that whole thing where it was kind of like, you know, like, oh, oh this yeah, way, yeah, that way, yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, I'm not even exaggerating. She grabbed me and shoved me into the side and then walked off. And I was literally like, I feel like violated. <laughs> like, that is a violation. Yeah. Uh, they're just brave, aren't they? Like, they're just so brazenly rude down there. They, they, they are, they are. They're so. not, there's a welcome change then. Why, why are you here? Uh, So I have a son here. So basically, yeah, I have a son. So like, I had to um, I had to come up here really. To be fair, obviously, I met a girl here. Uh, 2019, got pregnant very quickly, and then the the, the rest rises itself. Just just literally, I'm giving you like bullet points. Okay. Met girl, okay. got her pregnant, okay. had son, okay. Manchester. Like you know what? It happened so quickly. It happened like in, on the second date. What's in oh, Ross is yeah? <laughs> having a second date, so. Well, what's in fatherhood been like then? Um, fun. It's been fun. You, you know what? Do you know when like people are like, ah, oh, like when you have a son or when you have a child, and when it comes out, you're, you're you know you feel it in your heart. I'll be right. I felt nothing. Like, it oh, came out. Yeah. yeah, I was more worried about like obviously when she was getting giving birth. I was like, please don't die in my head. Like, please, but I'm mm. not gonna say that to her because mm. you hear all these horrible stories. Yeah, yeah, no, so then when he. Yeah, so when he came out, uh, I just felt absolutely. They were like, "Do you want to hold him?" I was like, "No." Like, I just never said no, like, because I don't. I don't think you should be admitting that, man. Your son might listen back. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, it was yeah. It's just that when it, I felt like they say, as soon as he comes out, you or your child comes yeah. out, everything you get these rush of emotions. I was completely normal, mm-hmm. but then as soon as I did hold him, for when I held him though, then I was like, oh, actually, okay. you know what? I was like, this, this oh, was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it felt it, it did feel nice, and now I love it. Like I. I I couldn't imagine not having a child. Mm. I mean, he turns two in July, oh. so he's, yeah. So I mean, I can imagine as well. Like um, I don't know your exact age, but I'm presuming you're quite young as well. So I can uh, imagine. I, I'm that. I'm not young, but so it, it, it depends. What your class is young? Like twenties. I'm I'm in my, I'm thirty two. Oh, what? I'm thirty three in June. I. Li- Oh, never Bad. mind. Then, this is your time. This is your yeah. Time. Yeah, fair, fair. You know what? Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Really... I mean, I'll take. But thank you, though. Thank no, you. Literally, I thought you were like younger than us. Like, I did. I know why. Like, I just presume that. God, gas me up, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, how would you fair. guys? Uh, yeah, I'll take my twenties. I'll take it. We're reaching the mid I'm this year, aren't we? Yeah, yeah twenty-five you know, this year. I feel really old. Like. So then I'm ancient. <laughs> I'm but done. You know what the people say? You know what? I'm trying to like rethink the way that I um I look at age and perceive age and like aging because okay. people I think before you're 30 you have this like fear of being 30 and people say y- you do. Like, 30s is so much better than your 20s because that's when you've got your ish figured out and like kind of like I'll be real like my knees hurt more often now <laughs> and I do get bad backs. Was, I don't remember having that in my 20s. 19, oh. Yeah. So I mean I feel that but I mean you do you feel the same. Yeah. yeah you do feel the same. And you know you like true when you're thirties, you got more money, you can yeah, go and do more thing. things thing, yeah. and stuff like that. But I mean, don't get me wrong, if I could pick, I'd happily go back to my twenties. So you guys are lucky. You know what? Age is just a number, and it's yeah. how you feel, not what age you are. So yeah, well, sometimes it matters. Oh, I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you sound like uh, yeah, R. Kelly. Know, know. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, on the topic of music, obviously we're going to play some of your tracks today. This first yeah. one is um, Stuck, and it's with him. I, I, I want to ask you how to pronounce it. Karen Fla- Flaherty? <laughs> Everyone has a problem. <laughs> Karen Flaherty. Yeah. yeah. You, you worked together before, right? Uh, yeah, we worked a few times together, and um, she'll be coming up to Manchester next month. Sweet. And we'll be working again. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't say nothing but good things about Karen. 
Um, I think she's a great singer, nice person. Um, yeah, that, that's all I can. There's nothing else I could say about Karen. So, an or, 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 amazing person all around. Mm-hmm. So, um, sorry, what are you gonna say? I was gonna ask, how did you get into music? What's, what's your journey like? Brief. Yeah, I just want to get like bullet points again. Like, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> okay, CD, yeah. Like. <laughs> so, um, one of my friends back in the day, he done music. This is like because you know now everyone does music. Like everyone's a rapper now. Everyone's a rapper. And... I've been trying, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I've been trying. So, like back back um, when I was obviously eighteen, my mate he was doing carnivals and stuff, and he just said to me, "You you look like a rapper." That's what he just said to me. That was it. He goes, "You look like a rapper. Do you want to rap?" I had no interest in music whatsoever. But that was it. Literally from there, you look like a rapper. Do you want to rap? And then I was like, okay, cool. Obviously, I was really bad. Did um, you listen to rap music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened to it, but I had no interest in doing it. I used to like pay for. I was, like, I was well a lot slimmer back then, and mm. sports was my thing. Oh. Um, and then literally from there, um, started. Then you know, like you, you have like small goals. Like I just want people to hear me first. Mm. Then I want to be on like a local radio station. Oh. Then I want to be on like one extra, and so forth. And then obviously, I always add to what I want to achieve. So it's just there. Uh, that's literally momentum, like you just kept going and then yeah, yeah, like yeah, you are a yeah. Later. I did 18, how old are I? 14 oh, years later, 14 years later, yeah. Wow, oh man, you've been doing this for time, then. yeah. I have, I have been around for a while. And the scene's changed as well, massively, it changes like, all the time. Years, like every like yeah. two, three, I'm not even 10, like every two, three, four years. Music, rap, styles of rap changes, and our new drama's being added in of rap, and mm. so it does change. So you kind of have to kind of be versatile, I guess. Mm. I think it changes quicker as well like maybe in the past before it would have been like it changed every five years i agree with that years five years and now it's like with the way that like social media especially has like democratized it's true you know like like spotify yeah um things like that that people can get their music out on spotify a lot quicker quicker yeah it's like Um, when you listen to artists when you obviously i'll say when you're younger i mean we're not that far apart but like artists we used to listen to i feel like they'll release a song like once every five, six, seven weeks. Yeah. Now artists are releasing songs every like two, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot, everything's happening a lot faster. So it's, it's trying to keep up, definitely because yeah. of money and stuff. It's really, really difficult. It's the streaming algorithm, isn't it? Like yeah. you've got yeah, to like constantly put like stuff yeah. out in order to keep up and get playlisted, all that stuff. Like yeah. I've spoken to like quite a few artists this year and they've all said, yeah, like we're putting out a track every like few weeks or sort of thing rather to. than putting out projects because it's actually better to, I like, think that's true I yeah. think singles make like more social sense social media because it moves trends move so quickly like mm. you have to be like you have to keep your foot on the pedal don't you mm. yeah but then I suppose does that kind of like take it away from it like I kind yeah, of miss think, like I, the I innovativeness would... of like doing your own thing sort of thing I think because you, you know, you're rushing songs out I suppose it can diminish the quality of your songs mm. because like it's, it's not really quality that's more quantity isn't it yeah. so I mean if you can't do both great obviously but, and yeah. making like a concerted project as well, you know, like a body of work, yeah. rather than just releasing an album, a self-contained single, you know, doing something like a project that is like holistic, you know. Yeah. I think that that is kind of where that that thing is suffering a little bit. I think that's yeah. I think you're right. I think even doing a body of work now probably will take too long because you'll have to go away for a while yeah. and you can't really afford to go away for a while because it's a momentum yes that was rebellious um bus wine on pi radio and it's featuring my boy here ife really yeah oh, what you, you oh, kept that okay. quiet <laughs> oh, well, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that how you guys know each other 
No, you know, I'm getting man. He's having his moment. I'm gonna snap him quickly. <laughs> He's having his moment. Uh, no, so basically, what happened was we had each other on Instagram. I don't know how we had each other on Instagram. I have no idea. Do you remember? No, we just had each other on Instagram, and he posted up a story. He was at work and he just decided to run do a handstand at work. So I just like I saw it on the story and I was just like, that was like random. That like like fair enough. And that's literally how we started speaking. Oh, you just became friends, like... Just like that, yeah. Just from him doing a handstand. So if you never done that handstand at work, this wouldn't, would have, this would not be happening right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, and, you, and you just happened to both now be in the same city together? Oh, oh, oh after you were in the same city? No, no, no. So I, no, I always um, travelled up to Manchester anyway because obviously oh. my son. Um, but obviously, I mean, like I said, I had no idea how we had each other on social media. But yeah, so when I was living in Luton, mm. I'd still come up and we'd, we'd see each other oh. anyway. So yeah, but that handstand is the reason why we talk. When we say when we say a handstand, are we talking against the wall or on its own? Bro, what was it, bro? Do you remember? Oh, oh wow, yeah. that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah, so you know, fair play, fair enough. So do you? So you do music as well? Or? Yeah, oh. music producer. Oh. He makes beats. He made the beat actually for that song. Sweet. Oh, nice. yeah. How are you finding the music scene like in Manchester? Well, I know you've only been here a short while, but it's it's weird because I'm not gonna lie. See where like I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, like everybody knows me. Like really? yeah, you know, I walk out, like I go town. Like if I'm out in a place, like I have people come up to me and stuff. So coming to Manchester, it's, it's weird because nobody knows me. Right. So it's yeah, like it's it's a bit of a weird one, but I do like it because one thing I know it's like people like it but when people come up to me like oh blah 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 I, I, I don't like it oh really no I don't like people come up to me and talking to me so you're not doing mm. music for the fame then I love making music and stuff and I do like I like the part of making music videos going to studio releasing the music videos and like radio interviews mm. I don't like performing mm. yeah I perform but I don't like performing like do you know when people perform they get nervous up. I feel absolutely nothing not fear not excitement just Apathy. just so I can go out there perform I can pretend like I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think I want to go see an artist on there just there. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I will feel nothing. There'll be nothing. There'll be no nerves in me at all. It's just not my thing. I like the other part of it. So when people do come up to me and stuff, and obviously they like say we're from Luton, um, it's. I mean, I don't know what you've heard of Luton, but it's a dangerous place. Mm. It, nah, yeah, I know. I know about Luton. Yeah. So obviously, as well, when people come up to you, I don't know if they're gonna jump me. Yeah. I don't know if they're like you know. And obviously, I've had people come up to me and like start trouble. And stuff. I have people come on the other, so you never know. So I'd rather people just, just leave me alone. Um, so obviously up here, it's nice that I can just walk anywhere I want. Like I don't have to worry yeah. about going to the shop or stuff like that. Yeah. Though I was, I was in Hume Park though. I was saying to him like two days ago, um, and I was with my girlfriend, and the song was like rebellious. Oh, and she was really? just like, and I was just like, what the hell? I was like, no one knows me here. I was there anything? I was like, it was so weird. No, he was a reply. We shook, shook hands. We spoke and yeah. stuff. But obviously, it was. And when I went to studio as well. Um, to record one of the other songs. Um, the guy was like, I know you. And I was just like, oh, no. So then how do you measure, like, where you want to... How do you measure your success in your career? Like, because obviously for a lot of artists, the way that they measure how successful they are is by their following, right? I, um, obviously, like I said, because from downside, I know in Luton, I can release a song, everyone's still going to play it. I know in Bedford, people are going to play my songs. I know in London, they can play my songs. So obviously here... So people not knowing me here still doesn't bother me because I know people are gonna play me. So it's like I'm, it's a it's like a like um a, a new piece of paper. Like I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I'm, and because we've been in a pandemic, mm-hmm. it's a bit different yet because I can't do what I want to do. So right now I kind of measure it like 
being on one extra. I want like one extra to still play my songs. I want okay, Kiss right. to play my songs. I want you know gigs and carnival and stuff like that. So and I I know that stuff will happen. Um, so I think that's how I go go about it for now. Um, so yeah, that's. Do you think it's been interesting? Do you think it's been different for like your creative process being in a new place? I think it's different in the sense because I don't know like where I want to make someone oh I want that kind of person I want this type of hook I can just be like someone oh yo but here I don't know too many people mm. so it is kind of still trying to figure it out um, that's, that's good that could be good though in, in the sense because it forces you to like reimagine your creativity yeah because now I'm doing my own choruses yeah. like I used to get singers to them yeah. I mean I don't I love doing choruses if anything I hate yeah. doing verses so um, yeah it does it does but um, I think it's trying to work with like more known people in in general if that makes sense that's what I want to be doing now that's like the next step I think working with people that already are on like one extra and stuff and like I remember I was saying to him on the way here like I spoke to Paige Keiki and she said she'd do a song with me oh. but then she said she wanted money uh, which was £250 hmm. now I'm not going to lie to you I, 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 I didn't do it yeah. but now thinking about it for £250 I was kind of wishing that yeah, I did that's, it's not it's not a lot of money yeah, you know not, I, I should have done it so um, it's like yeah, I don't yeah, know but... I said to him in the car today, he's like, I'm going to. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to cost £250. I highly that's going to cost £250 now. But it was just that because, like, she, I don't know. I felt like she had the audacity to charge me. And I've been yeah. on the same gig as her and stuff. And so, obviously, I don't know. I just felt we were in the same place at the same time. And I was like, I'm not going to treat you any different. To you. I was like, I'm here on the same you card as you. Favor, yeah. mm. I, not that she owes me anything. Music is a business as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do get that. No, but no, I, I think personally, I think... I think it's a bit cheeky. Like I, I think I, I don't know. Like I think if you're like, I don't. I, I personally, if I was a musician, I don't think I'd want to pay someone because I'd like afterwards I'd know that that had happened. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like even if you create like great music together, like I think it should be that rather than like organic. Yeah. See, I do. See, I. That's why I felt some type of way. But at the same time, because she is on all the radio stations, like I suppose it's more like her name then gets you there. So you're yeah, paying yeah. for her name yeah, to get you on them on them yeah. things. Yeah. So, this is why you know you want her as a person. Yeah, of course. It, and it is one of them situations. I mean, to be fair, you have to do that with everything. Like, I sometimes like, pay for those like Instagram promotion yeah. things, like literally. And that that's how, if I'm being honest, that is how we are gaining yeah, a following. Yeah. Because like otherwise, if you don't do that, like the Instagram algorithm is so messed up. It, you it literally is messed just, up. Like, it is. So, yeah, I suppose you got to do that. Um, coming on to your name, like, I want to know, how did that come about? Um, so, again, with that guy who said you look like a rapper, uh, this obviously you're 18, you know, you, like, when you're 18, you don't do much. Just walk around town at like, night time yeah. with my friends. And he's like, oh, he said, oh, you're going to be rebel. That's what he said, rebel. No, at that time, there was a rebel already in our town. Um, so I was like, I can't be that. And then for my personality, not so much now because I'm 32, but from my 20s, to probably till 29, 30, I had a problem with authority, even at work mm. and stuff like that. So it generally is my character. Like, it's like I got bored, so I'd want to be troublesome. Yeah, it, I was very controversial and stuff. Um, so it just suits my personality. So now I've come up here, I've even said to me, I was like, I'm not going to cause trouble. I'm like, I'm going to be polite. I was like, I'm going to be nice. Yeah. That's exactly what I've been since I've come here. Everything's fresh. Well, people are nice here anyway. Exactly. So it's, it's no, no you, you don't, you don't. I was gonna be trying shanking you when you go in corner shops. Okay, uh, I will give it time. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's yeah. the what's with the spelling then? Like, cause is that? It's because the way you spell it uh, casually. Imagine putting that into Google. 
like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the first of yeah. the, the, the definition is going to come up and then the dictionaries and all that kind of stuff and then probably like so if you put my one there's only one way to, no one's going to spell it that way oh, I thought it might have been like your name yeah, I I thought you were going to be called Yusuf. Yeah, like, no, uh, oh, yeah, I'm I sorry, saw that. No, Shahid. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I just literally, <laughs> I literally just. These times his name is Ben. <laughs> I was going to say John for the sake of it, but I thought no. Uh. No, like no, but it's clever. Yeah, like, yeah of course. It, it literally you've got to think about that. Yeah, for YouTube as well. Imagine putting rebellious the correct spelling. Mm. Oh my god! Imagine what will come up. Yeah. No. You know, so it'll be it'll be a nightmare. So literally, for search purposes. So, um, so go on. I was just gonna say, like, we we were just talking about the fact that your background is obviously like half Pakistani, half. Um, I'm actually three quarters. Believe it or not, it's weird, but three quarters Pakistani, quarter English. Oh, uh, I know, okay. which is like how. How's yeah, that? I know yeah, my yeah. my girlfriend's um, neighbors. Um, their their child is that basically, yeah. and it is it's it's interesting, like culturally, as to how you identify when you are. Well, three obviously, it's, it's, it's basically my mum's because my mum's half. And my dad's four, so then it makes you a core English. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But yeah, yeah. But like, how, like culturally, like because I know you were just saying, oh, well, I'm half basically. Oh, I was like, well, my family was brought up, you know, white, you know, good old beans and toast, oh, you know. Really? No, they weren't that. They were like, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't that one. No, I love curry. Come on, like I love curry with passion. <laughs> you looked offended. Yeah, when no, you were saying no, that. no curry. I love curry. <laughs> no, no, no. I need curry. I need curry. I love a chicken curry. Come on, nice. you know roti naan. Okay. Hey, don't I'm there. Don't worry. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. How I'm not that white. Okay. How How do you think that has like influenced your music? Because Luton is also a very like it's got a, a big like South Asian stronghold. It's a very multicultural town. Yeah. Very it is. Um, it depends because like because it it's weird because I literally have suffered racism from whites and Asians. Is it? Yeah. I mean, there's an interesting thing of being like biracial anyway i mean obviously carlos will be able to like understand a bit more yeah because um, you do get it. kind of identity struggle it's like asians well. see me as white and white people see me as asian yeah yeah i think with, with all my black friends oh, okay. yeah they, they i remember one time they were like you're one of us i was like you one of us like, yeah cheers man i was like yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's interesting as well to hear that even you have that struggle being three quarters yeah because okay. like i was thinking like um like obviously like I my girlfriend is um, full Indian. I am half Indian, and like if we have kids in the future, like I'm saying, if like it's it's gonna happen, <laughs> like literally in the future, um, I've always thought, oh yeah, they're gonna be three quarters, and they're not gonna have like the problems that I had. But hearing you they say this, like, definitely are, bro. <laughs> I think also it's, it's, it, it is also like how you grow up, like you said, because there are people who are like full South Asian, but but might not necessarily have like a very cultured upbringing. Yeah, so yeah. Like, what you're exposed to and like what you. How you choose to perform and interact with your culture as well. Oh yeah, it's true. That is true. I mean, obviously, I, there I grew up in was Saudi Asian, so I was yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was right. a, I was around Asians every day. Yeah. But then obviously, as you grow up and stuff, separate. Um, mm. But they still, even my Asian friends, I'm pretty sure they saw me as Caucasian. Okay. Mm. Do you think that had an influence on your on your music, your Asian background? Did, did you listen to any kind like? Asian, no, not really. Like Asian no. fusion. I'm gonna be wrong because the music, because the majority of my friends are black. Mm, so, so black. yeah, so I'm around them. So I think if anything, they're my influences, or what? Oh, they, okay. That's where my influences mm-hmm. came from. Um, obviously, when it came to like my sports and stuff, I was with all the, my, my Asian friends and stuff like that. Like my football team, Williams, practice like eighty percent Asian. Okay. So, cool. um, and they're actually like eighty percent Indian. To be fair. Oh. 
they're the practically Indian. I was like the only Pakistani. It's interesting to hear that because there is a problem, isn't there, in especially in British football with a lack of representation with regards to South Asians in football. Well, this is the thing. I'm not sure why. Because, mm. the, like, obviously, I know there's lots of cultures in football as well when I play, but they're, they're wicked footballers. Mm. So why, why is that? Because they're great. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't... I'm not, unless there's like a... Like, um, is it, for example, maybe Muslims? Is it the religion that maybe holds them back? I, I, I don't know. What, it's sports and stuff? Well, them going to football, because I don't... Oh, for the amount, it's not a traditional, like, yeah, pattern. Because the amount of Asians we have in, obviously, this country, yeah. there's not really that many Asians there's in no football. There's no Asian representation in sports. So well, no, yeah. I, it, I, it is because it's not like a... A lot of a lot of people are first gen, aren't they? So yeah. like parents want them to go into like yeah. more stable and like respected like lawyers and doctors roles. and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, if you say yeah. You do sports, you'll get about two slaps. No, like I'm sure that has, um, a, I'm sure that has a part to play, but I don't think that. I think we we talked about representation before, and I think it was like 0.4 percent or something of the Premier League footballers are South Asian, and I was like, yes, yeah, some of them might be told to go and be doctors or whatever, but not to that extent. Like, there's yeah. definitely other things at play as to why that's a thing. I mean, I think I I do think there is. I mean, I remember I saw on BBC. Um, it had been years ago. Um, one of the f- former footballers for Carlisle, he um, he done a um, documentary. It was a Burnley, I can't remember. And he said um, he was speaking to an Asian guy, um, and he said at Watford, they um, said like because he's Asian, he can play for him. Well, that that one instance is racism. <laughs> I can't say every football oh, club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, it, it, there will be racism in football. I mean, but obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, even for obviously black football players who are, I mean, they're going through it all the time because well, this racism is still strong. Oh, really? Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> just don't. Yeah. No, but we were saying, like, um, obviously, it's great that um, fans are coming together to um, show um, protest, like, protest what's going on. But then it's also not great that they're not using that same energy for other worthwhile for causes. Racism. For racism, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you might have just showed that you know how to mobilise. Yeah, yeah, of course. But when your, like, favourite player is, like, being, having monkey chants and, like, having bananas thrown on them on, it's on true. page, you want to be pimp. Like, it doesn't No, it, 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 you're, you're completely right. Um, I think that I said in one of the interviews on Sky Sports by Patrick Bamford for Leeds, he did say... Mm, yeah, that, that I, I remember there was a football. I yeah, it was Bamford, it was, yeah. and he said about, it's a shame we don't have the same energy for racism. Yeah. And he's right. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is right. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like even like other than racism what are we saying like what these people are actually protesting against i don't think they realize but they're actually protesting against this idea of the rich people at yeah. the top yeah, like yeah. having complete control yeah so yeah. imagine if they actually put that um energy towards all the other injustice well, that actually think, goes I on i think the real like, question we we're going to have to ask them really are how deep is racism in england because maybe they just don't care no, yeah, yeah, no, obviously, obviously, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, I don't want to say. Oh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I put maybe's in because <laughs> no. I don't want to say my point. I yeah, think no. they're all racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly, no, because they yeah. see it. They see it, don't they? Of like, course they you, do. You cannot be a football yeah. fan and not know what racism is in football. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's yeah. just it's selective. It's, it's selective I think obviously I'm, a lot of them obviously Caucasian and obviously white just, working class. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to care about racism. They don't yeah. go for it. You know, mm. the majority of the country is Caucasian, so it's not yeah. something they'll experience like us. It'd be interesting to see like. You know, like there was that guy from um, Burnley who literally was during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests last summer um, 
or shortly after that, got a, hired a plane to go across the match with him, White Lives Matter on it. Oh, I bet, oh like, God. yeah, I, I bet, that. like, he will still be, like, all up in arms about this Super League stuff, but it's literally, like, See, like, this stuff here wouldn't happen in Luton. Hey, well, you might want to just riot. <laughs> 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 saying, we're having a Luton. That's true, that's true. Fair. But looting the same place that created Tommy Robinson. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Hold that. Really? I didn't know he was Oh, that. my wait, God. Wait, wait, Hold wait, wait, wait. Oh, if no. he's from Luton, yeah. why is he trying to be the European oh, person no. for the Northwest? He, uh, we he, don't want to claim it. Helps. He, he does get bullied in Luton. Like, he can't, he can't walk around. Like, <laughs> no, I know he does. I've not, seen him. No. Yeah, like, he does. He does. If he walks around, like, people have hit him and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, I'm from in Warrington originally. I'm oh, like, most, no. My pride is that the first milkshake incident was oh, in Warrington Town Centre. Oh, yeah. I've heard, okay. um, you see, my girlfriend, she was born here but then was raised in Warrington. Obviously, she's mixed race, oh, black and white. Okay. And she said Warrington's pretty racist. Um, I think, yeah, I think it depends it's where like, you it's are. Like it's quite white. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, know, I, know, I don't want to make it sound like, yeah. because it's white, it's racist, but... No, it's, it's like, obviously... It's when people aren't as exposed, like I'm not, I'm not trying to create um, what's it called justifications first, but I think it's mainly that because it's a very high, um, white population, people yeah. are obviously going to be quite ignorant to these sort of things. Like, that's yeah. why literally I came. I think to, that's what it is, ignorance. Yeah, I came to school in Manchester, and it was like literally in the heart of like Fallowfield, Rushroom, like there. I remember just being like, wow, <laughs> like this is Culture like shock. new. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like. Have you guys yeah. been to Curry Mall yet? Yes. Yeah, so, like, I think... Because, you know what it is? She called it the Curry Miles, and I was like, why are you being racist for? <laughs> I remember saying it, I said it to her. I was like, why are you... And I got there, and it's a Curry Mile. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, that's messed up, man. Yeah. But like, to be fair, like, I think, I think it's changing a lot now. Like, it has a lot more like Arab influences mm, now. Like, yeah. like five years that, yeah. ago, it was ju- it was all just curry houses. Yeah. Like, it was just. I f- so I think anyone that goes there that is not from that. So that's where I grew up, actually, like around that area in Manchester. Yeah. But anyone that goes there that is not from there, it's like it is a culture shock. Like, I remember, you know, um, I took one of my white friends to like Bangladesh. <laughs> And I and then I, we took her to like Wimmy, like Wimsor Road, the Curry Mall. Oh, okay, yeah. And she had more of a culture shock in the Curry Mall than she <laughs> did when she went to Bangladesh. <laughs> nah, it is. It it you know what? It's actually really nice. Like I was literally saying, like how I was in, doing like Uber Eats in delivery during Eid um, last year, yeah. and the vibes like on that that night of yeah. Eid was literally on the you the sense of like unity and everyone mm. just have like mm. all together mm. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see I was I saw hand movements behind what's going on well, you know yeah no it, it's really nice to see that and it's just that's what makes it so sad is that there's people out there that actually are against that purely for the fact that these people have different colour skin to yeah. them. that's the mm. only reason it, it's crazy mm. it's yeah. just it we simplify it, skin colour, that's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, let's just hope that the people that are... It's <laughs> yeah. capitalism, really, but... Oh, no. uh, probably got a few minutes um, left, so just wanted to ask before we wrap things up, like, so what have you got planned for this year? And also, if people want to go and listen to your music, like, where can they find um, you? Well, I've just done a song with... Uh, obviously, again, I don't know because the age different, but I've just done a song with a guy called DJ Ironic. Mm. Um, obviously growing up he was always on like television Stay there you go <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah so I've just done a song with him shot the video like uh, two weeks ago oh lit um, I didn't know he was like still, still making music 
Uh, well, he is. Okay. <laughs> I think I think he's just come back. Okay. So I've just made um, I've just done a song with him and DC. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, my my, my boy Flirty, who he's in Grimes and his new album. I've done two videos with him, so it's like, like I said, I want to be working with like more popular artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so as for that, um, can't really, normally I say like, oh, I've got shows lined up and stuff, but again, I've been hit with a pandemic. Yeah. So right now, it's just trying to make sure I work with bigger artists. And um, I plan, like, and my aim is to release a music video each month. Mm. So yeah, that's really about it for now, to be oh, fair. Yeah. Until I can, until the law lets me. What's your What's your long term? Like, when do you think you will reach like the zenith of your career? What is it? I I I personally feel in the next year and a half, I will be unlike the radio stations that I need to be on the artists, the bigger artists performing. Like, I want to be on the shows with like 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 with Leisha and or, like I've done it before. Mm. But it's been it's it's been a while since I've done that stuff. Mm. So I feel like I was at a place where you know I've, I've been I've headlined with Gecko, I've headlined mm-hmm. with Leisha, I've headlined with Paige Cakey, Big Tobes, Ardads. I've been on shows with all of them. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, then there was like a gap where I haven't, and now it's like I need to get back to that's where I was. Yeah. I need to get back to there. It's sad that like if you like maybe take a bit of a break, how hard it is. Like you kind of like fall back. Isn't it's true. It? It's no, like... you do, you do. So I need to get. That's my aim is to get back to there, and I generally think I will okay. in the next few years. Sweet. So if people want to go give you a follow or listen to your music, where can they find you? Um, Instagram official rebellious. Obviously, rebellious is R E B E L Y O U S. Go on YouTube, put in rebellious. Oh, let's go on Google and put in rebellious as well, and everything Sweet. will come up anyway. It's just the easiest way. Sweet. You know. Just, just for Google it. Just, just Google There's it. There's only one of them around. <laughs> yeah. I flipping hope so. <laughs> <laughs> just go and like Google it and then some other person who spells rebellious spelling it that way he covers up and like, oh, I know. I'll find him. I will find him. Fight to the death. <laughs> Rap battle to the death. If right. you got me in that, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, can't wait to see that. Right, so we're going to have to wrap things up here. Um, thank you for tuning in to Mango Masala. Be back next week. And we're going to finish things off with the track you were talking about, actually. Oh, Veronic, yes. So, DC, oh, nice. and Rebellious. Oh, and I love that. You know what I love so much as well is how... Um, Liverpoolian rappers, like, literally, they that accent just doesn't, just doesn't go like, and it's just it's so authentic like i really like that it's a weird one you got ironic from london me from luton my man from liverpool it's just it's, yeah. it's national it, unity yeah that's what it is yeah sweet well thanks a lot for tuning in guys if you want to follow us on our socials it's at mango masala radio or at mango masala mcr on twitter and yeah we'll see you, see you next, next week, week. Hey. See ya.